We're continuing our closer look at the church. First Thessalonians is where we find ourselves. Join us, Graceful Truth, with Pastor Steve Converse, coming up next. For many of us, church is a weekly occurrence. It's an activity that we do for one to two hours a week. We go to church, we sit down, we'll sing, we'll stand, we'll sit, we'll give some money, listen to somebody talk, and go home. But have you ever stopped to think of what church is to really be all about? Is it more than just that one-hour meeting every Sunday? Well, today, here on Graceful Truth, Pastor Steve Converse continues with our closer look at the church from 1 Thessalonians. Won't you join us? From Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, here now is our teacher and pastor with this edition of Graceful Truth, Steve Converse. Well, follow along as I read Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, these are these new group of Christians, and fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came on every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And when they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts. Praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. You can summarize this with the word well. It's there in your outline. First of all, they were a worshiping church. They were a worshiping church. It says they continued steadfastly in what? In breaking of bread and in prayer. It says many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. It says they ate their food together with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God. See, the early church was really built on prayer and worship. I mean, you might say, well, yeah, that's a no-brainer. Tell me something I didn't know. You look at what's going on here, signs and wonders. Yeah, I'd be involved in prayer and worship too if I saw a sign and what if I saw people being raised from the dead and people being healed. Wow. You might conclude that these believers had miracles happen every single day. But that's not necessarily true. Acts is an overview of about 25 years of church history. So don't get just focused on the miraculous here. That's not the point of the, the, the text or the sermon. But it says the believers continued what? Steadfastly. Prayer and worship. They continued steadfastly. We see throughout the Gospels even a more common response when Jesus was here on earth and he would do miracles, sometimes the unbelievers would say, hey, if you do a miracle, I'll believe. Now, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but that happened on occasion. Remember King Herod? He wanted to see Jesus, and Jesus was brought before him. But the Bible says that really what Herod wanted to see was Jesus perform a miracle. Not only did Jesus not perform a miracle, right? We know the story. He didn't even talk to him. didn't even open his mouth. Why? Because he knew Herod was not interested in Christ or in his message. He just wanted to be entertained. 
Beloved, that's the culture of so many of our churches today. You have a group of people that come on a Sunday morning to be entertained. We're not here to entertain you. If you haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> if we did, we'd fail miserably, let me, let me tell you. But when it comes to worship and prayer, we have to make sure that that's a focus. You know, it's not the style of the music that should be the focus. It's what's the word saying? It's not how long your prayers are. It's what kind of heart are they coming from? Thank God for our ladies that meet right here in this building every Tuesday night for prayer. Small group, small little band of prayer warriors. I mean, may their number increase. remember reading of a sign one time that was permanently painted on a, on a church, on the side of a church, and the sign said this, Miracle service every Wednesday night, 7 to 9. And I thought, wow, so God can only do miracles on Wednesday night between 7 and 9. That's it at that church. That's it. See, sometimes we get off base. We get, we, we get chasing after the, the miraculous and we forget about the basic. To become a worshiping people means that you had to be transformed. You had to be turned around in your own heart. I mean, stop and think about it. What's our natural inclination as worshipers, what do we usually end up worshiping if Christ hasn't redeemed us, if we haven't been transformed? I know a lot of people that worship their time. They worship their energy. They worship their affections. They worship their job. They worship their family. They worship their possessions. But see, the Bible clearly teaches that we are to put All that aside, and the reason we've been left here on earth is to primarily to know and walk with God who made us and to bring glory to his name each day. That's the purpose of living as a Christian here on earth. That's the reason God left us after we were saved. Sometimes we might think, boy, it'd be neat if God just saved us and we were out of here, right? I mean, sometimes I I think of that. But you know what? On the other hand, you think of all the ministry you'd miss out on. You think of all the opportunities, how God has used you over the years as a Christian in influencing other people. You'd miss out on all that. So God chose in his divine plan was to leave us here as Christians, not just to take us home right away. Leave us here and let us be the salt and the light. Well, the second thing there, W.E., is to become an evangelistic church. It says the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. It becomes clear when you read about the New Testament church that literally everything they did, to the most extent, culminated in evangelism. In other words, proclaiming Christ was never an optional thing to do. They always proclaimed Christ. It was never a job handed out just to the evangelists on a special committee somewhere. Evangelism happens regularly as these new believers gathered together. And as they did, people, unbelievers, would gather with them and they'd look and they'd see the work God has done in their lives and they'd go, wow, how can I be part of that? And they'd be evangelized. See, today, unfortunately, there's a lot of churches that actually debate the idea that Jesus did command us to go into all the world and to make disciples for him. Some churches go as far to say, you know what, we're not called to evangelism. We're just called to body ministry or body life or, or to, to edify the saints. That's it. 
And then you have the other extreme who there's a lot of churches that are, that are dumbing down everything to the point where unbelievers will feel comfortable in their midst. So they don't sing songs about Jesus' blood. They don't talk about sin. They talk about mistakes. And, and they change the gospel to kind of bring it down to the lowest possible level. And really, they, they do harm to the gospel by doing that. And you almost end up with you know, the message of my best life now kind of a message that just says, you know, hey, you know, just, just soar, soar on eagle's wings and believe in yourself and, and you know, put aside all the negativity and just be positive and, 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 and God loves you. Amen. That's the message that's out there today. That's a distortion of the true gospel. That's not the gospel of Christ. That's not going to save anybody. I mean, do we want visitors to feel welcome in our midst? Definitely. Do we want unbelievers to feel welcome in our midst? Definitely. But we're not going to change our whole agenda just to cater to them. That's not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is, last time I, I, I checked in the New Testament, was to edify the saints of God, to build them up, and to share the gospel with the lost. I mean, sometimes the church tries so hard to be not offensive and not confrontational with the gospel message that it's not effective. I heard an interview with uh, Franklin Graham the other night on, uh, I think it was uh, Greta Van Susteren, that program or something. And he was helping out the people down at Sandy, and he's talking about these Christmas boxes that they do every year. And uh, she asked a wonderful question. She said, what do you tell people that, you know, have just lost all their homes and they got Christmas coming up and all their hope is lost? Franklin, what would you tell them? And he said, well, as a minister, and I thought, I wonder what he's going to say. I mean, he nailed it right on the head. He said, your, your hope is not going to be found in this, this, and this. Your hope can only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to repent of your sin. You need to, I mean, he just gave the gospel right there on Fox News. Millions of people probably heard that. And yet, I know of so many people put in that position, they would, well, I can't say something like that. I can't say the only way to salvation is through the Lord Jesus Christ. That would be offensive. I don't want to offend everybody. No, he just went out there and, and, and shared it boldly. And I thought, praise God. That's so important that we don't dumb down the gospel when we're sharing it with people, when we're, when we're sharing it with our relatives or our friends or whoever it might be. Remember, it says there that the Lord added daily those who were being saved. It's not upon you to go out and save people. That's not your job. Your job is to live a, Christ, a life that honors Christ. And as you're doing that... God gives you opportunity to share the gospel. You share the gospel, and you share it in its entirety. You don't leave out anything. You talk about things like sin, and you talk about the blood of Christ, and you talk about repentance. And if that's offensive to them, well, then so be it. But at least you're being honest with the message you're sharing. You're not trying to hoodwink somebody. I mean, evangelism back in the time of the church was not, hey, we're going to have a big outreach program at the church, and so we're going to kind of have all this stuff, and then at the last minute, we're kind of going to slip the gospel in there. You know, we're going to invite them to this, or we're going to invite them to that, or we're going to have this or that or whatever, and then just kind of slip the gospel in there and kind of trick them, you know. That's not the purpose of the church. That's not how we should do evangelism. To be honest with you, evangelism should be done, obviously, outside the walls of the church, right? It's the saved that are coming together to worship Christ. Unbelievers can't worship God. Talked to a pastor one time. They said, well, you know, we don't, we don't sing a lot of the hymns and stuff because, you know, unbelievers just don't get that kind of jargon. And we really want them to worship God. 
when they're with us. And I looked right at them. I said, they can't worship God. I don't care what kind of style music. If you're an unbeliever, if, if they even tried to worship, it would be offensive to God. Because they haven't come to his son. See, we need to be real about this stuff. We need to understand what God's purpose and plan is for us. So it's to be a worshiping church, an evangelizing church. And remember, it's through the foolishness of the gospel that men are saved. When you share the gospel with somebody, you know what? Sometimes you may feel foolish. You may feel ridiculous. Last time I checked, it's not about our feelings. George Barna, one time, he wrote a book called The Second Coming of the Church. And he mentions that in the 70s, seeker churches wanted to make visitors feel welcome. So they did not make it necessary for people to locate Bibles or, or find the passages. They put everything up on the screen. Churches didn't want visitors to feel that they were surrounded by what could be perceived as a bunch of Bible thumpers. And Barna says, two decades later, it is clear that this experiment has had a more sinister consequence. People don't even know where their Bibles are anymore, he says. See, in many churches, beloved, the core membership, not just the visitors, but even the core membership, they've lost their familiarity with the Bible. Because very seldom does the pastor actually stand up and say, open your Bibles too and and teach from the Word of God. He says, sadly, the shift away from promoting the personal responsibility to bring a Bible along has sent a signal to many people that the Bible is simply just not important. It's not relevant Trust me, we know and we believe wholeheartedly that the Bible is relevant, that the Bible is the message that people need to hear and study. That's what we do every week here in this church. So thirdly, not only worshiping and evangelizing, but also they became a learning church. It says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. I mean, the most basic essential of any church that's healthy is a commitment to the preaching and the teaching and the learning of God's word. If you set that aside because, you know what, you need more time for this, you need more time for that, you're going down the wrong path. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love music. I love to play music. love to, you know, worship together or whatever. But, you know, it's never going to take precedent over Someone standing behind this pulpit, whether it's me or someone else, and teaching you the word of God. Because that's where the power lies. I mean, the songs may make us feel good and they make us remind us of God's glory and and worship him in that way. That's great. But you know what? It's the teaching of his word that affects change in the lives of people. And that's what we want. That's what we desire. It's the gospel that's the power of God unto salvation. Not a song, not a chorus. So we need to be reminded of that. And it says there that they continued steadfastly. See, not only here that the apostles taught faithfully and they they continually taught them, but it also implies here that the congregation was faithful to continue as well. I'm blessed to be in a church that has allowed me to do what God has called me to do and teach the word of God, especially even in an expository manner. A lot of churches, 
you know, they're not looking for that. They're looking for somebody to get up here and, and kind of, you know, just emotionally go crazy with whatever they want to teach on. The felt needs of the people. Well, our people need to hear this. Our people need to hear that. No, the people need to hear the word of God. And it's, there's never been a more effective way than teaching the word of God expositorily, systematically, book by book by book. Because you know what? Then you're getting the God's words. You're not getting my word. And that's so important to remind ourselves of that and remember that. But it's a twofold thing. They continued to teach, but they also continued to grow and were attentive in the hearing of God's word. Paul wrote to the Galatians, the church of Galatia, another local church. And look at what he says in chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. This is Paul writing to a local church. He says, I am astonished that you so quickly deserted him who called you in the grace of Christ, and you're turning away to a different gospel. Then he says, not that there really is another one. (laughs) There's only one gospel, beloved. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Let us never ever enter into distorting the gospel of Christ just because we want to have the the means justify the ends or whatever you want to say. I mean, there's a lot of churches out there that simply are not teaching the Bible. And if they're not teaching the Bible, they're not teaching the historical facts that are in the Bible. They're not teaching the morality of the Bible. They're not teaching God's view of history. They're not teaching a lot of things. It affects the church at every level. And there's a lot of churches today that do the church light thing, you know. They come in and kind of entertain for 30 minutes of music and lights and smoke and all sorts of things. And then, you know, the pastor gets up and shares a little talk, 10, 15 minutes. I mean, I can't believe that that sometimes I'll go online and I'll just kind of be looking for a subject And I'll find somebody's sermon. I'm thinking, well, this sounds really good. And I'll turn it on. And literally, it's like 15 minutes long. And I'm going, man, this guy was just getting warmed up. And Okay, we got to close in prayer. And I'm thinking, wow, where's the rest of the message? I, I just, you know, and it's not that length is spiritual. I'm not saying the longer the sermon, the more spiritual. Usually, that's not the case. Usually, when I preach... A long sermon, a lot of times it's because either I had a busy week and I didn't do the proper preparation and I just, you know, went on, went on and got my jaws too long. A lot of times we can say what we say with less words. Trust me. But we need to be reminded we're here to get a meal. We're here to be built up in our faith. We're not here for dessert. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 to 14... The writer writes this. He says, about this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain. Asked a tough question in the previous text there. Since you have become dull of hearing. (laughs) Verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again, it says, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, 
For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. That's important to read that. It's important to be reminded that, you know, this isn't a little game you play every week when you come here to church, you know, just so you can check it off your list. That's not what being part of a church is about. It's part of that process is it's about learning more about God, about coming under the teaching of his word. Ask yourself, how long have you been hearing the word of God taught week after week after week? Maybe some of you ought to be teachers by now. But maybe you're not getting it, so you need to go over the same basic things over and over because you're not applying the truth that's being taught to you. I'll be real honest with you. I think one reason why the Lord called me into a ministry that is full-time and you have to do something every week and prepare, sometimes twice a week, is because God knew. He knew. Steve, you're not going to do this on your own. If you didn't have to do this every week, you would not do it. And I'd be the first to admit that. Doesn't come natural. Some people, some pastors, oh, just, you know, I'd love to be in my office with my books and close the door and 12 hours of prayer and study. Oh, day after day. That's, that's what the ministry is about. That is not the ministry to me. That is hard work and it takes a commitment to, for me to stay in that seat and get something done. Because my mind's going a million different things. Well, this has to get done. I've got to go visit this person. This has got to be done. It's hard to just get aside and just focus for hours on, on a certain text or whatever you're trying to teach. Some people love it. That's not my personality. So it, it comes as a, as a hardship for me. But I realize the only way that we're going to grow as a church is by, through the, the teaching and by the learning of the Word of God. And that's why it's such an important thing here in our body. You know, whoever teaches up here, whether it's Ken or Danny or myself or other people, they're always going to be opening their Bible and they're always going to be referring to a text of Scripture and they're going to be sharing the Word of God with you. That's very important to who we are as a church. And it was very important to the first church, a learning church. Lastly there, become a loving church. It says, all those who believe were together, they had all things in common, continued daily with one accord having favor with all the people, having all things in common. See, that's that's definitely backwards from our thinking, isn't it? You know, it's it's kind of what's mine is mine, and what's yours is yours. We kind of have that unwritten law in our society. That's not true when it comes within the walls of the church. And we see that played out. I mean, I've seen people in our body help each other out. Nobody told them to do it. They just do it because they realize it's the right thing to do. You see their unity there. It says all the people thought well of them. Well, sure, if you had had an organization like that where everybody came together and they were in unity and they helped each other out, why wouldn't you want to be part of that? See, the problem with most churches is the outside world looks at it and goes, oh, yeah, they... They threw out another pastor, man, they split, and half the church is down the street starting another church. And, oh, you know, all that guy's my neighbor, and I know what he's like. Uh, You know, and they go through all these gymnastics in their mind when they look at the church. That wasn't true in the New Testament. They looked at it, and they said, man, how can we be part of this? We need to remember that. We need to remind ourselves of that. Colossians 1.8 Paul wrote to the Colossians, he says, So naturally we proclaim Christ. We want everyone we meet 
and we teach everyone that we can all that we know about him. That's what we're called to do as the church. So whenever you think of the local church, just think of that acronym there, WELL. Worship, evangelism, learning, and loving. That's what our our church should be about. That's what we desire to be emulated to the society around us. Well, it is our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. If you'd like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. This is our phone number, 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. Or you can visit us on the web at gracefultruth.org. We've got a lot of resource materials available there, more information about who we are. And if you need a map to visit us at Grace Bible Church, that's there as well. Again, gracefultruth.org. And would you please drop us an email? Let us know you paid us a visit when you stop by. Again, gracefultruth.org. Or give us a call at 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. We thank you for joining us today and trust we'll see you again next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth. Graceful Truth.